WCNC Charlotte. This is Flashpoint, where power and politics collide and the tough questions get asked and answered. Thanks for joining us here on Flashpoint. I'm Ben Thompson. On Monday, hundreds of thousands of North Carolina students head back to school. It's the third year of the pandemic, but this year things look different. No masks, little to no contact tracing. Exposed students or staff no longer advised to quarantine. But students may be crowded in classrooms or have to wait longer for buses as districts across our area are seeing shortages across all areas. Some employees walking away from the job they love due to low pay yet higher expectations. Later on, we'll speak to a CMS school board member. Joining us now, CMS teacher Justin Parmenter. He teaches seventh grade English and language arts. Justin, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right, first up, um, are you ready for this new school year? Um, well, yeah, I think we're, we're ready as we'll ever be. And, and Monday morning is going to be here soon. The buses are going to roll, and so it's going to be showtime. That's right. All right. I want to show a tweet of yours from um, about a week ago. Uh, it went viral, liked by thousands of people. And you said, the teacher shortage is a myth. What we have is a shortage of people who are willing to be overworked, underpaid, and disrespected, all while doing the most important job in the world. Uh, clearly, it resonated with a lot of people. Uh, th this week, we learned CMS teachers will see an average average of about a 4.2% pay raise. Um, your reaction to that? Well, you know, it's I, I, I personally really appreciate um, our county and our district doing what they can um, to try to make a difference in teachers' lives. You know, the economy is really is is really hitting all of us hard right now, and that includes um, classroom teachers and and all school professionals. So I do appreciate those um, efforts. You know, unfortunately, I think this year, once again, it's not going to be enough for us to keep a lot of people who are on the fence about whether or not this is the right career for them. Because of inflation and variety of other factors as well. That's right. And because, you know, the state, which provides the lion's share of education funding in North Carolina, um, has not been doing nearly enough to try to keep teachers in classrooms. Uh, let's talk about teacher vacancies because you addressed it somewhat in that tweet. Um, CMS, I think, is predicting somewhere between three and 400 uh, openings as we start the new school year. Earlier last, last week, it was like at 360. Um, what does that mean for teachers like you? Well, for, for teachers like me, that means additional responsibilities of having to cover classes where, um, you know, there, there isn't a teacher that's been hired yet and we can't get enough substitutes to come in and fill those um, those those roles temporarily. Um, so that's what it means for me as a teacher. As a parent, it also means that I've got kids who are not going to have, you know, a licensed, highly qualified teacher in front of them at times. And I think that's something that we should all be concerned about, not just teachers. I was about to say, I know you're a parent. What would you say to the parents out there about what this teacher shortage means for their students? Well, I think, you know, we, we need parents to be understanding that public schools are doing the best that, that we can. We unfortunately, and this is not a new story, you know, we just don't have the resources that we need. And at a time when our economy is is in, you know, not, not the best shape, uh, we've got people who are seeing, you know, greener grass on the other side of the fence and leaving. I mean, I've got a new neighbor across the hall from me because last year the the science teacher got got a job as an engineer in in texas making double the pay that she was making here in charlotte and so um you know it's a difficult situation that we're all in i don't know how long it's going to be before we can turn things around but it's it's really getting hard uh let's talk about COVID protocols this is i believe the third year that we're going to be dealing with uh COVID in the classroom uh masks not required vaccines not required 
Um, is it basically back to normal for, for, for teachers like you, what we were pre-pandemic? Well, I, I think we're in some ways we're acting like it's back to normal, but I mean, it's it's not going to be back to normal in terms of um, people getting COVID, um, you know, that we're still going to have students who are missing, you know, two weeks of instruction because they're out sick. And then after that, you know, following the protocols that are needed to, to reenter the school, same for teachers. I mean, we already don't have substitutes just to cover the vacancies that we have. But once teachers start getting sick, um, no, I don't think we can say that we're back to normal yet. Uh, this past week, Lieutenant Governor uh, Mark Robinson uh, made news, as he has several times recently, uh, about something that's evidently in an upcoming book that he's writing. And, and he said that he'd work to keep science and history out of some elementary school classrooms. Your reaction to that? Well, you know, I think Lieutenant Governor Robinson is, um, you know, he, he's he's got basically one trick, and that is trying to uh, outrage people trying to stir up, you know, stir the flames and 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 create moral outrage where there's really nothing. Um, it's really unfortunate that the way that he's trying to motivate his his voters and his base is by again attacking public schools and and um, you know I think the vast majority of North Carolinians want their children to learn history and science and social studies and I, I feel that it's just uh, you know it's Mark Robinson in a very very small vocal subset of of our population that doesn't believe that's the right thing to do. Uh, when I think about, you know, I had some of the best teachers, Mr. Davis, Mr. Pickle, Miss Watterson, um, so many good uh, teachers that like helped form who I am, uh, in addition to great parents. But um, for some reason, um, it seems like teachers have really be become politicized and found themselves in the middle of politics uh, in, in recent years. Um, do you think that that's uh, a fair description? Is it is it for good reason or is it people capitalizing politically off of teachers? I think it's the latter. I think it's that, um, you know, public education becomes a political football in, 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 uh, in certain times. And I think that, you know, a lot of that division that grew up um, that kind of sprouted during the pandemic, you know, when there were such um, such strong disagreements over what was the right way to handle education during the pandemic. And then we saw, you know, this fake outrage over CRT and it, it's just been one thing after another, but the common thread that runs through all that is using, uh, trying to stoke anger and fear and resentment over public education in order to motivate voters. And I think it's really unfortunate, you know, for classroom teachers that just wanna work with kids and make a difference in their lives, for us to have to deal with that kind of garbage is really unfortunate. Um, CMS finds itself, as it has several times in the last decade, uh, looking for a superintendent as a teacher on the on the uh, ground level who's educating students on a daily basis uh, about to start a new school year. What would you like to see in a new superintendent? Well, I think I would like to see a superintendent who who believes in and supports teachers. And I, I think that we would also like to see stability in that role. So we want to get somebody in, you know, as quickly as possible who's who's going to do a great job. Uh, of you know supporting the employees that we have, um, creating conditions where our students can thrive, and also to stay in that role for more than a year or two. All right, Justin Parmenter, one of the thousands uh, of teachers out there getting ready to start a new school year. Justin, thanks to you and thanks to all the teachers out there. Uh, good luck this school year. Thank you so much. All right, more Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. Joining us now, CMS board member Rhonda Cheek. Rhonda, thanks for coming on. We appreciate it. 
Great to be here, thank you. Uh, first things first, some personal business from you. Um, you are have decided to run again. At first you weren't going to, uh, but you've probably served District uh, 1 for, for, for many years now, and you've decided you are going to run again. Yes, I, I've been through quite a journey the last um, several months, um, but basically the last three months I was having some really serious medical challenges. Um, decided I needed to step away from pretty much everything to focus on me and my health. And um, I was able to see the right doctor, get surgery scheduled. I had major abdominal surgery for diverticulitis in the month of July. Um, and as a result of that, I'm healthy again for the first time in over almost two years. And um, it's a great feeling. I was live at the board meeting last night for the first time in a couple months. And um, the energy in the air is palpable, and I was so glad to be part of that last night. We, we are excited for, for you. There's nothing better than, Thank than, you. than getting a right diagnosis and getting the right doctor and being persistent. Uh, it can make all the difference. So uh, congratulations on that. Um, let's talk about uh, the business of this week's past board meeting. Um, as we get ready to start a school, a new school year, teachers getting a pay raise of about an average of 4.2% increase, more than what a lot of folks expected. It was, um, you know, there's still work to do. Um, the pay raise is not across the board consistent. So a lot of our veteran teachers are still struggling because their pay raise is smaller. Um, the pay raise is heavily weighted at the earlier entry points for teachers and the newer teachers. So there's still work to do, but it's a great start. I mean, I think it's a fabulous start. Um, it was more than what we were really anticipating. So we're excited to give all of our staff um, more money that they deserve. Explain to the folks at home exactly how it works who, who don't watch the board you know, meetings. Um, th there's money that comes from the state and that's the bulk of it. And then you guys provide a supplemental part of that. The county actually funds us for the supplements. The school board has no taxing authority, so we don't have our own money. We get it from other sources. Our main source is the state. Second largest is the county. And then we get federal dollars for a lot of Title I and, the, and you know, categorical spending for federal dollars. Uh, the CMS board, once again, uh, as we start this new school, you're looking for a superintendent. Uh, where are we at right now in that process? So we have a great person in there for the interim right now. He's doing fabulous work and getting things done, um, cleaning, cleaning things up and, and turning us in the right direction. Right now, um, the process will be that we're gonna most likely start some community engagement to talk to the, the community and find out what are your goals for a new superintendent? What does that look like? What are the character traits and the personality traits that you value? And then I think the bulk of the work will start after December when there is a new board seated since this is an election year. Uh, this is uh, the third year that students were dealing with COVID, uh, but this year no masks, no vaccines required necessarily. How do you think schools continue to live uh, with COVID going forward? COVID is just a part of our existence now. I've got a child away at college at, at Chapel Hill and they don't have any COVID policy particularly this year. If you get COVID, you, you, you move on, you deal with it. You've got a roommate, you wear a mask, you be respectful. So, you know, I think that there's such a great energy around this year because we know that we're gonna just be in person. We're gonna get it done. We are gonna be back to full speed and, and we need to turn things around so all of our students can achieve their best this year. Um, what do you say to, to teachers or maybe some uh, other staff or family members who, who say, okay, we can act like we're normal and things are back to, to, to normal, but they're not? They're probably the new normal. So I think that we need to learn, we, we have to as a society and a community learn to live with these viral situations going on. It, you know, I am wide open as far as if people want to wear a mask and that's their personal choice, that that is fine. If they want to send their student to school in a mask, that is fine. 
Um, but we have, we have no mask policy right now, so masks are not required. And, um, but you can't be told you don't need one. And, and we, shouldn't, we shouldn't judge people for whatever choice they make, whether it is to wear a mask or not wear a mask, but we need to move on. We need to get our kids in school. The data shows that kids in person is absolutely essential to improve the academic outcomes across the board. Learning loss was significant during COVID. This year, we have to crank it up. We can't just do a year's worth of work. We need to do two years worth of work this school year. Um, in the past, you talked about funding earlier, um, and I know in the past there's traditionally been a sort of a give and take between what the what the board wants and what the county is willing to give. Uh, at one point, I think last year, the county was saying we want to see some more results first. But can those results really happen without the money? Uh, where where do we stand now when it comes to that? I mean, and the board getting the funding that it feels like it needs. You know, we I don't think we got everything we asked for. Well, we, I know we didn't get everything we asked for, but we got a great deal of money. So I, I'm grateful to our funding partners. Um, what we need to do this year is demonstrate that we are good stewards of that taxpayer dollar, and that we are really gearing it to, to students to work on their academics. Um, the money has to really go where it's needed. Um, and that's manpower and that's teachers. I mean, you know, the majority of our budget, the majority of the money we have is in our manpower and we have great teachers. You know, we still have some teacher vacancies. That is a huge issue across the nation. Um, we're in better shape than most, but we still have teach over almost 400, 370 plus teacher vacancies. And our HR staff, I believe is working hard. Um, we've got some contingencies in place. And we are in better shape for some of our staffing than we were last year. We we have 40 something um, bus driver vacancies compared to 80 plus last year. So things are improving in our employment, but it's a problem across the nation in every industry, not just in education, but healthcare and, and, and hospitality. It, it's something we're seeing everywhere. Your message to teachers as we start the new school year. You are valued, you are respected. We are counting on you guys to do the great work we know you can do. We know that you are the person in front of those students that's gonna make a difference in their lives. And I would tell them that 20 years from now, the work you do today is gonna to determine who that child becomes as an adult. And, and it, by and large, those students are gonna remember you and they're gonna remember the impact you had on their life this year. So I just want them to know they're valued, they're cared for, please, you know, take care of yourself and rest and, and, and do the things you need to for self-care but know that you have the value, you have the respect of this board member, and I know all of my board members, and I believe this community respects and values our teachers. So just um, roll up your sleeves. We're here to support you, and um, it's gonna be a great school year. I'm excited. And finally, your, your uh, message to the students out there. Go to school every day. Get up and go to school. Unless you're sick, go to school. If your parents forget to get you up, get up yourself. And every day, bring a book home to your mom or dad or whoever is at home and read a book. Read a book, do your homework, and go to school. And follow the rules. We The rules are in place to keep you and everybody around you safe. So follow the rules because guess what? There's going to be not much tolerance for bad behavior or, or things that should not be happening this year. That, very little tolerance. So do your work. Do it, do it within the rules. And everybody's going to do great this year. Rhonda, thank you. We appreciate it. Thank you. Have a great day. All right. Take care. More Flashpoint after this. Welcome back to Flashpoint. As you've heard for more than two years now, the pandemic put an overwhelming amount of stress on students and educators. 
School districts currently figuring out how to pay teachers more in order to keep them in the classroom. An intended solution was the federal government committing billions of dollars of pandemic rescue funding for districts. But our Where's the Money investigation found most of that money remains unspent. Instead of rushing to spend the cash, WCNC Charlotte's Nate Morbido discovered many school systems are taking their time. Districts still have two years to spend this money before it expires. Leaders believe their slow and steady approach in the short term will benefit students long term. The public criticism, the risk of infection, the shrinking teacher pool. You see what humans can endure. April Kuhn fights back tears, thinking of everything educators have overcome. And yet, most of her peers never turned their backs. They still showed up, and that's, that's invaluable. To repay that loyalty, Roanne Salisbury schools, like many other districts, used federal COVID money to reward employees with a bonus. And the interim superintendent says the school system is planning a second round. Some people have been willing to stick with us because they know they're getting an additional bonus in the fall. When it comes to spending its share of federal COVID dollars, Roanne Salisbury has hardly scratched the surface. The district is left with about $55 million, more than 75% of its total allotment still unspent. And we discovered more than 200 other districts and charter schools throughout the Carolinas still have most of their money too. We need the support and resources necessary to do what we already know works best for our kids. Throughout the pandemic, money, or a lack thereof, has remained a sticking point for teachers. You're looking at, am I going to have enough money to pay my bills? Parents. When we stress out our teachers, we see that reflected in our kids. And elected leaders. We need teacher assistance. All the while, a WCNC Charlotte analysis of elementary and secondary school emergency relief, also known as ESSER funding, identified almost $6 billion still in the pipeline in these two states alone. There's a lot more going on than maybe people realize. Dr. Michael Marr is Deputy State Superintendent for Standards, Accountability and Research for the North Carolina Department of Public Instruction. He says districts have already spent money on tutoring, summer programs, school meals and more, but is relieved most money remains on the table. If we were having a conversation right now where districts have spent 60 or 70 percent of those recovery funds already, I actually would be more concerned. Dr. Marr says the state only recently met with all school systems and charter schools to deliver learning loss data. Critical guidance, since at least 20% of this money must go toward learning recovery. If we're ever going to bring kids back up to the level that they were at, we've got to disrupt that current trajectory, and you do that with good interventions. Beyond interventions, districts have a wide range of ways they can spend the money, short of building a new school. The only real requirement? Justification that the projects are in response to COVID or to reduce or prevent its spread. Each district creates a spending plan with its proposed projects. And once the plan's approved by the state, the money's available. Are you afraid that you won't be able to spend it all? I am fortunate enough to work with a team of leaders um, who are smart, who are thoughtful, and who will find ways to use the funds to help our students. So, no, I don't have a fear that we won't. In Rowan County, the district is mindful this isn't recurring money. All the more reason to make smart long-term decisions. We definitely have a plan for our spending. The district spent all of its first round of funding and its plans for rounds two and three call for curriculum and instruction investments, air quality improvements, support staff at the school level and district office, cleaning and disinfecting, and that second round of retention bonuses. When times are tough, 
people remember how you treated them. Money she knows will reward and retain teachers and benefit students. While every school district and charter school received a different amount of money, the idea is it's equitable, all based on student enrollment. Nate Morabito, WCNC Charlotte. And folks, you can head on over to our website or our mobile app for more about these federal funds. We actually have a, a very handy, complete breakdown of how each district has spent its COVID grant money with spending by the year. More Flashpoint after this. Folks, come interact with us on social media, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. If there's something you'd like to see here on Flashpoint, let us know. And as always, remember to listen and subscribe to our podcast. You can find it wherever you get yours. We'll see you back here next weekend.